that. And if you want to grow up to be Brother Monday's age and not be on oxygen, then you should play a wind instrument. And Brother Monday, you looked a little stressed up there, bro. I just got to say. Those young people were just like that was nothing. And you look like you were struggling a bit. And I was glad that you are married to a nurse because I wasn't doing CPR if you passed out. Uh, she, 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 would, she would be the one to be called. And your, your clarinet uh, has a little cap on it that says remove. Oh. I'm looking at that thinking, boy, if you need if you need instructions to remove that before you start blowing, we have really reached a we have really reached a milestone. Appreciate them. They've worked hard on that. Nathan, what a magnificent job on the piano. And the choir do a great job this morning. Uh, that does not come easily. They've been working on those songs since uh, September and appreciate the choir. They put in many, many, many hours, long practices and uh, you are appreciated. Uh, there are many of your select- of the selections this morning that brought goosebumps, and that's exciting. I uh, love love Christmas season, love everything about it, love music, and appreciate all that you have done. We'll let our young people be dismissed for children's Bible time, second grade on down, with Mr. Frank. Where's the Meyer family? I'll tell you what, Lizeth and Daniela Zapata in the nursery are really excited that you're back. They've been on the nursery schedule for Sunday evenings, and they've had no work. Uh, but I went down there to see them just before the service, and they were having a ball. Uh, and so, anyways, I <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, good to have the Myers family back. We're in the book of Joshua. We're in the 12th chapter, Joshua chapter 12. It's another one of those chapters with a lot of names. Am I not on? Did I turn myself back off? Was I on before? <laughs> no. It says I'm on, but Brother Parsons had it, so he had it muted. I'm going to blame it on him. Was I muted the whole Sunday this morning? No? Okay. <clears throat> We're in Joshua chapter 12, uh, verse 1. Now, these are the kings of the land which the children of Israel smote. And possess their land on the other side, Jordan, toward the rising of the sun from the river Arnon unto Mount Hermon unto all the plain of the east. And he goes on to name some kings. In verse 2, Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, ruled in Aror, uh, which is upon the bank of the river Arnon, from the middle of the river, from the half Gilead, even unto the river Jebuk which is the border of the children of Ammon, from the plain to the Sea of Chinnerah, on the east and unto the Sea of the Plain, the Salt Sea on the east. The way, And you look at this and you say, why, why all these names? This is what I hate about the Old Testament. I don't understand any of this stuff. This, in 2023, should really stand out because this is the, this is the land God gave them. And you look in the Middle East and they're trying to push Israel out to the sea. This is a deed book. This is, this is the deed that has been given by God to the children of Israel. There is no one on the earth today that can claim deed to the land except for Israel. God gave it to them. And so, uh, get your map out and start drawing from here to there to there to here. And you'll see that little speck of real estate they have. <laughs> And, and there's a push for a two-state solution. Listen, 
there's there's a map, and it's not hard to do. What do what do the Muslims control? And they they control from uh, from the West Africa, uh, Morocco, all the way across Northern Africa. It's a strip all the way across, all the way up the Middle East, all the way up through Turkey. They control all that land. There's plenty of land for a two-state solution. Feel free to give them. But don't take it from Israel. Now, don't do that. God given it to them. And verse tw- uh, chapter 12, this, these first several verses are what God gave them under Moses. Verses 7 through 20 are uh, what God gave them through Joshua. Look at verse 4. Talk about Og, on the coast of Og, king of Bashan, which is the remnant of the giants, and dwelt in Ashtaroth, and Edoran, and reigned in Mount Hermon, in Salka, and the Bashan, unto the border of the Gershites, and the Machites, and of the Half-Gilead, and the border of Sidon, king of Heshbon. Verse 6, Then did Moses, a servant of the Lord, and the children of Israel smite. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave it for a possession unto the Reubenites, and the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. You'll be reminded that uh, they uh, they were it was time to go in and claim the land and and in uh, Numbers chapter thirty two they said boy you know we don't we don't we're happy we're content with what God has given us here that's a problem we're dealing with that on Wednesday evening the children of Israel are in Babylon it's time to go back to Jerusalem to build the temple and they said you know what we're comfortable here uh, we, we we we're pretty happy here. And that's where Esther and Mordecai were. They were in a place where they should not have been. <clears throat> they should have been back uh, rebuilding the temple. But uh, it, it, that's not new. Uh, here, these, this, this, this crowd said, you know what? We, this is a great place for cattle and we have cattle. And that is a terrible reason to determine what you're going to do for God. And I, but I have watched that used over the years. When I was uh, 22 years of age, graduating from Bible college, uh, there was a number of tengo un necesito. Okay, uh, can you translate for me tonight? I just caught you. Just caught your eye. She's here. She's ready to go. We'll give her. A, we'll give her a moment just to catch up. Can you make sure, Ryan? Somebody upstairs that that's on for her. Turn the lights on. So, while she's going up, I'm going to tell you a joke. <clears throat> Come from Amanda Warren after this morning. Amanda Warren said the new pastor in the church. It's from Amanda. So, if it's a bad joke, you've got to blame Amanda. He said pastor in church, and he wanted to see how much uh, Bible knowledge the, the, the children had. So, he went to the, to the little kids' class, and he walked in. And he said, who broke down the walls of Jericho? Who brought down the walls of Jericho? And uh, the kid said, we didn't, we didn't do it. We did not do it. And he looked and he said, what, 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 what? These, he went to the teacher and said, these kids have no, no, no Bible knowledge. And, and Johnny, I mean, he, he spoke right up and said, he didn't do it. And the teacher said, do what? He said, take down the walls of Jericho. And they should know that. And the teacher said, Johnny is a good boy. I'm confident that he did not do it. He did not do it. And the preacher said, the kids don't know who took down the walls of Jericho. Johnny doesn't know who took down the walls of Jericho. The teacher doesn't know who took down the walls of Jericho. Man, I'll tell you what, we're going to take care of business here. So he went to the deacons and he said, listen, the kids don't know. The teacher doesn't know who took down the walls of Jericho. This is a problem. 
And the deacons looked at the pastor and said, Pastor, there's lots of money in the budget. We'll just pay to have it repaired. (laughs) Are you online? No, she's still working on it. She's looking. Ryan, are you in the parking lot? We had technical problems upstairs in the translation booth. Ryan's on his way up. Are you good? Okay. Disregard. We're good. We're back. We're back into chapter 12. And that was an advertisement for the message this morning. If you weren't in the sermon this morning, you have no idea what that applies to. If you were here, you know. <clears throat> uh, chapter 12 gives us a synopsis of the successes under Moses. Uh, verse 1 through 6. And Joshua, verses 7 through 24. Uh, there is a need to understand what God has done in the past. And God has given them great victory under Moses. But listen, you can't live in the past. Well, you can live in the past, but you will not be successful in the present. You can't live in the past. You can't even dwell on what you've done in the present. It'd be easy to stand up and say Joshua uh, is going to recount what they have just accomplished in verses 7. And verses 9 through uh, verse 21, it talks about the kings that they have uh, deposed. Now, there is a belief that they have taken cities that, in addition to these, that didn't have kings. They've just taken a lot of real estate. But here's what what you need to understand. While they have taken the cities and the city propers, there is still an outline undertow uh, that has has yet to be conquered. You talk to a military group, uh, and it doesn't really matter. You st- whatever battle you want to study in World War II, whether it be the Philippines or Okinawa or Iwo Jima, and they, the military came in, they had a successful campaign, they took control of airstrips and the land, But there were still some rogue elements that caused them problems that would come in from time to time and attack and and try to thwart the ministry. And that's what's going on in Joshua chapter 12. They come in, Moses came in, they took these things, but they haven't gained complete control. You let me say there's a great picture of the flesh. Talk to people almost on a daily basis about the flesh. This morning I mentioned I struggle with the flesh. In my driving. I was on my way here tonight. I mean, it's 1.6 miles. I shouldn't have a problem, right? I pull out behind um, a hybrid that is going 20 miles an hour with his flashers on. And I'm thinking, it's got to be close to like 25 degrees and it's going to turn to ice at any moment, right? Oh, no, it's 55 degrees. And, and so and this is what I'm in the car. Hello, oh, the speed limit's 35. Now, you shouldn't be going 40, but you shouldn't be going 20 and 15 either with your flashers on. And so I'm driving. I'm not, it's a double yellow. I can't pass them. But I thought about it. Don't do it. What are you doing? Struggling with flesh. Struggling with flesh. <laughs> And, and then I'm talking to him. There's nobody in the car with me. This bishop wasn't in the car with me. I came a little bit earlier. And I said, I'm, I'm saying to the person in front, I'm sure they can't hear me. It, if, it's, if it's raining out and, and you got to have your flashers on, 
you, you probably shouldn't be driving. And then by the time I got up to Wilton Road and they got off the road three times, I figured they were drunk. <clears throat> and I thought, man, I wish I had a badge and a gun and a police car with lights on top because I would be pulling that person over. Uh, they probably spent a little bit too much time uh, drinking at, at the football game uh, party this afternoon. What is that? That's flesh. And I need the Holy Spirit to help me. I struggle with the flesh. The, what is going on here in chapter 12 is a great picture of the flesh. You may have gotten saved. I trust that you have been saved. You're here on Sunday night. You trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. But if you think that's the end of the battle, you're going to struggle with the flesh for the rest of your life. Moses has conquered. Joshua has conquered. But there is still a rogue element that wants to defeat you, slow you down, make life hard, make life miserable. Don't, don't, give, Satan the, don't give Satan the benefit of throwing in the towel and saying, I give up. And just walk away. Why? Because this is the land. This is the life that God has given you. Fight that flesh. What's going on in chapter 12 with Moses? They're approaching from the south. And you can trace this. They're going up through the north. They're going, they spent 40 years in the Sinai wilderness. And, and they're, uh, they have arrived here. Uh, they're, they camped at Gilgal. They're from the valley of Arnon to Mount Hebron in verse 1. And then Reuben and Gad is addressed. And they just said, you know what, we, we don't need to go because we have cattle. This is a great place for cattle. And again, I was uh, telling you, I was reminded in Bible college uh, at uh, 22 years of age when I graduated that uh, kids would say, I, I'm not going to go out and uh, plant church. I'm not going to go out and pastor. I'm not going to go out in ministry. I'm not even going to go home to my home church and sing in the choir. It's good to have the college kids back in the choir tonight. Randy, where are you? I expect to see you in the choir on Wednesday night. All right. I got a thumbs up, Merrick. <clears throat> uh, you should come home and serve the Lord. You should come home. Uh, you go to Bible college. You are not intended to stay there. But here's what the kids said. Many of the folks I graduated with said this. Uh, this, is a, this is a great place to have. This is a great place to have kids. And we have kids. So we're going to stay here. God didn't intend you to stay there. God intended you to get an education and go back to Kansas and to Washington and Oregon and, and, and either start a church, work at a church, pastor a church, but to teach in a Sunday school to do something for the cause of Christ. Amen. Get busy. Get busy for the Lord. You're reminded of Sihon and Og. Sihon is a, is a nation that refused. Israel wanted to pass through. And they said, no, we ain't letting you pass through. We're not going to give you a pass. The world's not going to give you a pass. They're not your friend. In Og to the north is purposely spied out as a means of protecting the northern front. Uh, just saying there is work to be done. And again, why is it important to remember the past? It's important to remember, remember the past because God led them here. You are not here tonight by accident. God has led you here. I call it divine appointments. What are the chances that you're here? I did a, uh, the funeral for the taverners this week. Uh, that's, that's a divine appointment. Those, those people are there on purpose. And they don't even know they're there on purpose. They think they're there by accident. But they were there because of their connection to uh, Brother Tavener, because of their connection to the family. And, the, and Mrs. Tavener invited them here. And they gathered here in this room. And I've got a sacred duty to present to them the gospel, which is what Brother Tavener wanted, what Mrs. Tavener wanted. Uh, but that, that's a divine appointment. Uh, this week, I got a phone call from a, a, a dear Christian friend, and uh, he said to me, 
he said, my pastor called me uh, to, just a few minutes ago. I said, he did. He said, yeah, my pastor called me and said, you were just at Tractor Supply. And he said, I didn't see you at Tractor Supply. How do you know I was at Tractor Supply? He said, because I'm at Tractor Supply. And I just went uh, through the cash register and I pulled out a gospel track and I handed it to the, to, the, to the gal taking my money. And she said, I just got one of those five minutes ago. And the pastor said, who in the world gave that to you? And she said, you know, I don't know. It was a young couple, uh, but they had a cute little baby named Ezra. Uh, now, now you know who it, now you know who my dear friend that I was talking to. Uh, <clears throat> well, and I, and I, so he's, uh, he's telling me this on the phone. And I said to him, I hoped that the, the pastor said to that lady, are you paying attention, gal? Because what are the chances that two people from the same church on the same day within 15 minutes, are going to give you a gospel message on how you can go to heaven. You say, God's not, I tell you what, that gives me goosebumps. And that should empower you when you try to hand the gospel tract to somebody and they say, no, I've already got one, to look back at them and say, are you paying attention? God's, God's trying to get a message to you. That's not by accident. That's on purpose. And it's important to remember the past, to remember, to know that God has led us here to this time for this purpose at this place and these events. That's why it's important to remember the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God puts you here at this place at this time for a purpose. And when you lose sight of that, you do some crazy, crazy stuff. Stephen Swartz, 85 years of age. We were talking about this yesterday morning at uh, so many breakfast, he was charged in murder with t- uh, of the death of his wife, uh, Sharon. She was 81 years of age. It happened last Sunday afternoon. Last Sunday afternoon on Cochrane Street in Washington D.C. You see, Sharon was a little bit of a taskmaster, and she wanted people to eat uh, when when she cooked. And uh, 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 Ray, pretty much for the most part, uh, eats whatever Eden tells him. Uh, uh, to eat. Uh, but on this day, uh, Ray, Ray, had, Ray had been sick. Uh, this guy, I should get back to the story. Stephen had been sick, and he had gone from 180 pounds uh, down to about 130 pounds. And Sharon just decided it was going to be her lot in life, 81 years of age, that she was going to fatten her husband back up to what he needed to be. I mean, he was just a shadow of him, his former self, and uh, she wanted him back at 180 pounds. And uh, he was pretty content at 130. So she said to him, uh, she said, you need to eat. He said, I did eat. She said, you, did you have breakfast? He said, I had breakfast yesterday. She said, what did you have for breakfast yesterday? It's Saturday. He said, I, I, had, uh, I had one quarter of a Krispy Kreme donut. I'll just say, that's a problem. Uh, maybe a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, that would, be, that would be okay. But just a quarter of a Krispy Kreme donut. She said, that's enough. You need some pancakes. And so he set the pancakes down in front of her. He said, I'm not eating pancakes. She said, you are going to eat the pancakes. He said, I'm not going to eat the pancakes. She said, you are going to eat the pancakes or I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make you eat them. And she turned around and he took the knife and he stabbed her in the back through the heart and she died. He got down on the floor, picked her up in her arms. And he kissed her. The police came, and there he was. He was holding her in his arm, and he had kissed her. And the police said, what happened? She said, well, she tried to force me to eat pancakes. I said, want to eat pancakes? She turned around, I stabbed her in the heart, and, uh, and she died. And I kissed her. He said, it was a very caring kiss. And I told her I forgave her. And the police said, you're being arrested for murder. 
Uh, what had he forgotten? He'd forgotten all the good times. He'd forgotten that he loved her. He'd forgotten that uh, all they, they, they just concentrated on the bad things, and he forgot that uh, she was his partner for life. And death till you part doesn't mean till you kill them. He, he'd forgotten that. And if you're not careful, you'll do the same thing with the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll go through a little bad spot in life, and the Lord will turn around and you'll stab him in the back. And you'll say, how could you do this to me? Why did you do this? Why did you give me cancer? Why did you flatten my tire? Why did you stop me at this traffic light? And Christians say a lot of things against the Lord God in a time when they have just merely forgotten what God has done in the past. Why is it important for them to remember it's important for them to remember, number one, because God led Moses here and here's the path. It's important, number two, because here we are in 2023, to remember that God has given them the land. It's important for them to remember that God has helped them, preserve them through the 40 years of wandering, now through the conquest of these kings. Don't forget God's goodness. Don't stab God in the back when you get a little bit frustrated with the way life is going. Joshua enjoyed great success. Uh, verse 9, the king of Jericho, one. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, one. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. And it goes through the name, the names. And we're familiar with Jericho and Ai. But those were the first two cities of a number of conquests that God gave them. Again, they're going from the south, going to the north. And God gave them what? God gave them the, the hill country. God gave them the lowland. God gave them the slopes. God gave them the wilderness. It all belonged to them. And again, it has a bearing where we are in 2023. All that land from the south to the north, God gave to the children of Israel. And there's no one. There's no Arab nation. There's no United Nations. There's no Great Britain or United States of America uh, that should be encouraging Israel uh, to give that land away. Doesn't belong, it's not ours to give away. It was given to them by God. It's important to remember that. <clears throat> Again, Israel took immediate control of those, of those various cities, but there's that rogue element that's out there that's given them trouble, that claim to be part. And, and we're going to find them here in the church as well. They, they come in, but... Uh, you know, well, why, why do you go soul winning? Why do you have church? Why can't we take the day off? Why can't we just slow down a little bit? Why do we got to run buses? Uh, they, they're going to be here. They, they're, they're here, but they're not a positive influence on, on what is going on. And just pay attention to what God has done. Know that God has led you here. <clears throat> know that God has a job for you to do. The, mirror, the, the list mirrors chapter 10 and 11. 31 names, one from each king. <clears throat> Some have surmised uh, that there were, again, that there were cities along the way without kings. But chapter 12, in verses 9 through 21, we have a remarkable account. Don't miss this. We have a remarkable account of a nation, Israel, that has been in bondage. Uh, as, as near as I could figure out, some 400 years. It's been 400 years. They've been enslaved. They've been in slavery. They've been, they've been in the wilderness. It's not been an easy journey. And now they're starting out in a, in a military conquest. Got some military folks in the room here. They're starting out on a military conquest against established governments. 
Now, you think about established government. Russia, China, United States, uh, even some smaller nations. The Koreas, North Korea, South Korea. What do they have? They have established military. They have militaries. They have training. They have hierarchy. They have generals and lieutenants and lieutenant generals and, and captains all the way down to privates and uh, uh, people that do the storehouse. They have all those things. Israel didn't have any of those things. Uh, established government. They've got uh, cities and walls. Jericho. They've got uh, armaments and arrows and defenses and guards. Israel didn't have any of that. What did they have? They walked around the city with trumpets. What did Gideon have? They had uh, pitchers and trumpets and lamps, torches. They blew the trumpet. Who gave the victory? God did. Again, if you think that we're going... I'm thankful for the United States. I'm thankful for our military. But if you think for a moment that our military is all we need to help us persevere in the world today, you have not been a student of Old Testament history. What we need is the power of God. And what we see here is a nation that has been enslaved, impoverished for 400 years, and they are defeating not one, not two, but 30 world powers. They're walking through. And you tell me how that can happen outside of one thing, the power of God. Don't you lose sight of that. Because the Holy Spirit that empowered them and helped them and led them and gave them victory wants to lead you and empower you and give you victory if you'll follow Him. If you'll do that. How is that? God's divine power. And in the New Testament, He puts it like this. I am still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. The Holy Spirit power. And every day is a new battle. USS Kearney was in the news just recently. Uh, just I, I want to say in the last 24, 48 hours. They are a destroyer. They're stationed in the Red Sea. Over the past several weeks, they have, uh, they have had 37 uh, successful uh, beatdowns of attack drones. Uh, attack drones have come in. They're one-way uh, rockets. And uh, they have successfully uh, batted them out of the sky. You say, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. They have certain 37. But this last weekend, they shot down 14 in one day. And you think, man, I, I've had a good, I've had a good uh, time over these last several weeks. I've had 37. Well, I'll tell you what, there are 14 attacks coming tomorrow. So, so don't get up tomorrow morning and think, you know, I can walk in the flesh and be successful against the attacks of the devil. Because he's not done attacking He's going to come at you and come at you and come at you, come at you day after day after day. And just about the time you think you've seen it all in your life, he's going to come at you with 14 attacks in one day. You best, you best know it. He's coming and he's coming for you. He's coming for you. Satan is not finished. You would do well to walk with God. When I was a teenager, I could not wait until I became an adult. So I wouldn't struggle with the flesh anymore. And then I got to be in my 20s and realized that I'm probably going to need God help me. And now I'm in uh, Mrs. Bishop and I'll tell you, we have this conversation almost weekly. We look at each other and say, are, are we getting old? Because people are getting on our nerves. And people didn't used to get on our nerves. 
I didn't used to always shout at people in traffic. That's kind of a new phenomenon for me. I'm just telling you, now I'm approaching, this bitch not going to like this, I'm approaching 70 years of age. And I find, Brother Paul, that I struggle with the flesh more today than I did in my young days. And that's frightening for me. Because I'm not anywhere near, well, I shouldn't say that. I could be, it could be at the end of the road tomorrow. I'm not anywhere near the end of the road as I can see it uh, coming on the horizon. <clears throat> I think I've got a lot, a lot of good days left. But it's frightening. So again, teenager, if you think the flesh, that Satan is going to be done with you when you hit 30, 40, 50, 60 years of age, I'm just telling you, he's not done. He's not done. But I've just determined by the grace of God and by the help of God and by the Holy Spirit of God that when I get up in the morning, I'm going to ask God to help me. And when I get in the car and I'm driving down Telegraph Road, I'm away to church to preach. And that drunk gets in front of me going 20 miles an hour with his flashers on. I'm, walking, I'm, going to try, I'm going to ask God to help me to walk in the Spirit. Because I need that. I'm just saying, if the preacher needs that help, you might need it once a week or twice a week as well. I need that help every single day, and more so. The New Testament in, in Hebrews puts it like this, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Why do we come to church? To encourage one another. For the preacher to stand up and say, Hey, I haven't gotten victory over the flesh. I have not arrived. I talked to a gal this week, and she said, Boy, I tell you what, uh, uh, my, my preacher, he did this and that. And I said, You know, your preacher is not perfect. And this preacher is not perfect either. Every single one of us struggle. There's only one person that, that is perfect, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I give your preacher a little bit of grace. You pray for him. Go to the altar and pray for him. Look at verse chapter 13. <clears throat> now Joshua was old. Oh, that's terrible. Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet much land. Don't be laughing at me. There remaineth yet much land to be possessed. The land, this is the land that yet remaineth. And as we go into chapter 13 next, there's just, I'll just say, there's just a lot of work to be done. We have, I think, three times knocked on every door from West Springfield to the Potomac River, from North Alexandria down to uh, the Occoquan. I, I think we're, we're approaching three times. We're, we're hitting our third, third route as much, as much as I can figure. But as we go through those neighborhoods, people move out and new people move in. And it just, it just, it's just amazing. I get a complaint from a neighborhood and the lady will say, Don't knock on my door ever again. I said, Ma'am, it's been how many, how many years you lived there? Two. When do you plan on moving? Two said, we won't be back. You'll be gone by the time we move back there. <clears throat> Many times I'll knock on somebody's door and I'll say, it's been, tw- it's been ten years since I've knocked down the doors in this neighborhood. I'll probably never be back. Now they say, good. <clears throat> this is your last warning. God sent somebody to your door now three, three different times over the past 20 years to tell you that there's a heaven, there's a hell. There, I just, there's a lot more work to do. Jason! There's a lot more work to do. 
There's a lot more work to do. And it's not going to be for the Mr. Franks of this world to do that. And it's not going to be for the bishops of this world to do that. It's going to be, Jason, it's going to be for you and the young people sitting around you to take up the mantle, to stand up and be counted for the cause of Christ. Teenager, it's going to be you. In ten years, you're going to be the deacons and Sunday school teachers. You're going to be the preachers. Another ten years, I could be in the loony house. I could be. I'm a a whole lot closer to the end than I am the beginning. And we need young people. We need young people who will take up the mantle and take up the charge and say, we're thankful for what Moses did. We're thankful for what Joshua did. We're thankful for what Frank Harris has done. We're thankful for what Frank's dad has done. We're thankful for what the preacher has done. But I'll tell you what, we're not going to let the gospel in Alexandria at Lighthouse Baptist Church at the corner of Franconia and Wilton Road die out with this generation. We're not going to let it do it. We're going to take up the mantle. We're going to do something for the cause of Christ. We're going to get here. We're going to get to church. We're going to be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We're going to be here for Sunday school. We're going to go up to Mr. Ray and say, Brissa Ray, boy, you're not a kid anymore either, are you? Bus route's getting harder and harder every week, isn't it? For a young man to go up to Brother Ray and say, train me to do bus ministry. For a young man to walk up to Mr. Corey and say, Mr. Corey, teach, t- train me to teach Sunday school class. To go up to Brother Ray and Brother Corey and Brother Frank and say, Brother Frank, Brother Ray, Brother Corey, teach me to lead somebody to Christ. So I want to I be a gospel preaching, witnessing machine. I want to do that. And these folks will help you. They'll train you. They'll give you opportunities. But you've got to take up the mantle. You've got to get the vision of what God has done in the past, what God has done in the present. You've, you've seen it. You've watched, you've watched these doors open up and people be baptized. You've watched crowds gather here on Saturday morning and go out knocking on doors. And you've been part of it. Don't let that die out in your generation. Don't let that happen. Take possession of what God has given you. God's blessings are significant. I remember... Uh, probably 15 years ago, I was sitting in Fairhaven Chapel with our young people. We were on a college trip. I think we were there for um, a, a competition in November. I think it was in the Empowered Youth Conference at Fairhaven. And we were sitting in chapel. The speaker got up and said, and he was from, I, I believe, Iowa. And he started reading city names. Just like our here. City. At least I thought they were city names. City. City after city after city. And he got done. He probably named 35 names. And he said, these are the names of cities in Iowa. Over 15,000 people with no gospel witness. I tell you what. I was astounded. Absolutely astounded. But I can tell you, I remember that challenge 40 years ago. 40 years ago, I sat in Bible college. And the speaker got up and said, the Northeast 95 corridor from Washington, D.C. to Maine is the graveyard of Baptist churches. We need some young men who will go out 
along the I-95 corridor and just claim some territory for God. And I'll tell you what, you can go all the way up and down the 95 corridor, and there are men that I went to Bible college with who have gone there, who have started churches, who have pastored churches that are thriving. You go anywhere up and down the 95 corridor, and within an hour drive of 95, you can find a Baptist church that has been planted in the last 40 years. I'm just here to tell you, why don't you take up the challenge? Why don't you take up the mantle? Why don't you just decide you're going to do something for the cause of Christ? Why don't you decide you're going to find a city of 15, 20,000 people and you're going to take the gospel with this to them? Why don't you do something for Christ? Man. Now, I did not know that God was going to lead me to the I-95 corridor. I didn't know that I was going to be on the bottom edge of Washington, D.C. But uh, <clears throat> I'm privileged to be here. And I'm thankful God has allowed me to serve here these past many years. Steve Moore, former Arkansas detective, Little Rock, Arkansas Police Department. He's on his way home. He got a call. Domestic, he thought. Got to the scene and he found Janie Ballard, 58 years of age, friend had called her, called the police department and said, hey, uh, check on the well-being. That's a pretty typical call. Uh, we're trying to reach somebody and they haven't answered the phone. So he went there and he knocked on her door and he figured, you know, she's going to be in there. She, she got her hearing aids turned off. You know, oh, she's not paying attention. She's not answering the phone. Yeah, like Pastor Bishop, he doesn't answer the phone. If you want to get a hold of somebody, call Mrs. Bishop. Don't even call me. Uh, call Mrs. Bishop. She'll answer the phone and she'll say, why don't you pick up your phone? And then I'll pick up the phone. Uh, but uh, and so he went there and he found her. She was dead. She had been stabbed 70 times. And so they started the investigation. Well, the first thing you're going to do is you want to notify the next of kin. So they found her. She had only one daughter, Leslie, Leslie McCool. And uh, she was a good girl, good grades. And they went in and they said, your mother is dead. She'd been stabbed 70 times. And she went, ah! And she wailed and wailed and wailed. And the detective looked at, uh, the former detective looked at her as she wailed. And he said, she part of it. She part of it. I don't think she did it, but she knows who did, because it's just unnatural what she did. So they started the investigation, and her husband, Mike, was a suspect. He didn't like his mother-in-law. Uh, she had money, and uh, she had written them out of the will, and the will had to, was going to take effect in 10 days. Uh, there's some, some unique thing going on out there where they lived. And so within that 10-day period, she died, uh, stabbed 70 times. And so they brought her in for questioning, and they said, we, we know Mike did it. Mike's been in and out of prison. He's been in and out of assault. He beat up people. Uh, your mom didn't like him. She never liked him. Uh, she, she didn't want you to be with him. She tried to restrict your, uh, your presence around him. We, we know Mike did it. And we know that you know Mike did it. Now tell us. And she just dropped her head and she said, I did it. I stabbed mom 70 times. The detective mouth dropped open. He had no idea. That this good girl with good grades that loved her mom would have anything to do with the death of her mom. The husband was complicit. He had brought her there. He had given her the knife. He had hidden the knife. He had destroyed evidence afterwards. He had helped to cover it up. He was definitely found complicit. But she did it. Listen, tonight you're going to decide what path you're going to take. You're going to decide to hang around good people and do the, good, do the right thing. You're going to decide to hang around people of God 
and be a part of God's plan for your life, or you're going to hang around evil people, these evil kings, and try to be a thorn in the side of Christianity till the day you die, and, and then you're going to stand before God. But God always brings sin to light. And if you think your foolishness is not going to be found out by God, you're, you're, you're delusional. If you think you can just let your light pass and not stand before God, someday you'll stand before God and God will say, why? You sat in Lighthouse Baptist Church the week before Christmas, 2023, and the pastor challenged you to be a Sunday school teacher, a soul winner, a bus worker. To look at what had been done in the past, to look at what God had done in the present, and be part of the future. Because the preacher is an old man, and he's not going to live another 30 years. Okay, maybe 30. Probably not 40, though. <clears throat> and you just said, I'm not going to do it. Let somebody else do it. There will be an accounting someday. I want you to stand before God. And hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. You're here tonight. You do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You are not on your way to heaven. You are not a blood-washed child of the King, and you know that. God has spoken to your heart time and time again. There's never been a time when you become guilty before God and you've trusted Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And tonight, God is speaking to your heart. You're not saved. You know you're not saved. You need to be saved. The question is, will you accept the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ? Pastor, pray for me. Slip your hand up. Hold it up for a moment. I am not saved. I need to be saved. Will you pray for me? You're a Christian here tonight. The challenge is for you. What will you do? Let's stand to our feet. The head and piled. The eyes closed. The piano is playing. You obey. The altar is open. Why don't you let God give you a burden to do something big for Him? Claim a city. Claim a count. 